Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is it my advice to you? I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, go bros. What is going on? Mr. Brian Paquin is in the house live from Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, we are going to get a deep today on some one-sheet questions and uh, get to know Ryan. So, Ryan, welcome to the GoPro room. Thanks, man. Hey, buddy, give us a four-minute uh, story of your life from the day you were born till today. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, born and raised in North Jersey, a younger of two kids, grew up playing sports, uh, raised by uh, my mom, single mom, went to school um, at Salisbury oh. University, got a finance degree, marketing degree, oh, uh, went up to Wall Street. Uh, right after college so with my uh, fiance, worked as a trader on the American Stock Exchange so after a brief okay. stint at okay. Bear Stearns in the mortgage-backed okay. securities department, and then um, okay. was in the World Trade Center on 9-11, right. Uh, right after I'd gotten married. June 9th, I got married. September 11th happened, and my wife was like, uh, we're moving to Maryland with or without you. <laughs> so I made my way down, uh, down to Maryland and uh, had a desk job as a trader for a little bit in um, Bethesda and then became a mortgage banker quickly after that back in 2002, June of 2002. So I've been in mortgage banking ever since, uh, became a branch manager about three, four months into the business. Yeah, I've been uh, working at the same company, First Home Mortgage, now for 14 years. And uh, it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride. I have three kids, a beautiful wife, two, two girls in high school and a 10-year-old little boy. That's awesome, dude. All right, so uh, a lot of questions there. So, uh, you know, what was that like, dude? Like, so tell me about, you know, 9-11 and your wife saying, uh, giving you an ultimatum, you know, New York City or or the family. Like, what? The, tell me about that. What was that like emotionally? She had uh, some PTSD. Uh, you didn't have as much, it sounds like, or did you? Yeah, I certainly did. It was, it was definitely a difficult day. I mean, I was holding the double doors open when of the of the first tower when the second plane hit. So, you know, I saw a lot of things that stuck with me, you know, going through what I went through that day. I had some friends with me, fortunately, but, you know, we lost seven guys that were, you know, eating breakfast at Windows on the World. So, you know, it just, it was, it was a difficult time and, and it was difficult for my wife as well. 
she, her, being an only child, being from Maryland, she wanted to be closer to her family. It was a really easy decision for me to make. I mean, I just, I didn't, I didn't even have to think about it. You know, a lot of things get put in perspective when you see something like that happen. So, you know, moving to Maryland was easy. I mean, which I, I didn't, I, I didn't think twice about it. So when you say I was holding the doors, mm-hmm. what, what, describe that. What are, you, what are you talking about? I was walking into the first tower for some stupid reason with a buddy of mine when uh, when the plane when the second plane hit, and the, I thought it was a bomb that went off, but it, it was the second plane. It was such a loud explosion, such a powerful explosion that it actually knocked us off our feet. We were helping a lady out that had been in an elevator where a fireball had come down the shaft and she um she was like punch struck she didn't know where she was so we were just trying to guide her out of the building and that's when so the uh, building the building was on fire right like the, the up top above. of the yeah, building down in the mall above. area down in the mall area people were still kind of walking around and yeah kind of scrambling right i mean everybody knew what was going on but it was um and you happen to be like outside of it and you i was in the ran, but- stock exchange when the first plane hit and um, somebody yelled bomb, so we ran out back, and immediately we saw the American Airlines life preservers, the seats of the plane, women's Holy shit. Yeah, luggage on fire. What uh, the fuck? Really? Yeah, and me and a pal of mine just started walking around and made our way into the, into the building for some stupid reason. And then you helped this lady out, and then what'd you do? When the second plane hit, we all got knocked off our feet, and I sprinted back into the American Stock Exchange and um called my wife i told her that a, a bomb just went off and she said that was a that was a, a plane and so you know I, I, we didn't know what to think i i actually didn't even know if we were going to be open <laughs> was the floor going to be closed the new york stock exchange hasn't closed yet so we usually follow suit so i mean we were not in the right frame of mind so once they announced that we were closing i, I told my wife uh, I, I was getting off the phone with her i told her we have a bomb shelter if anything happens, I'll just go down there. But, we, you know, I don't know what we're doing. So I, um, once they announced we were closing, they wouldn't let us leave the building because of all the falling debris. So this but is a building, like, next to it? It's the closest building to ground zero that didn't fall. Okay. Yeah, all, all right, the windows blew out. Yeah. It's only about 100 yards from the south entrance. The back door of the American Soccer Chain is about 100 yards from the south entrance. Okay. And so I... Um, you know, once we knew we were, you know, I'd gotten off the phone with my wife, a couple of my buddies that I grew up with that were working with me down there came back in, and we were just like, let's get the hell out of here. And so um, rallied a bunch of guys that, you know, to go get on the ferry, because that's how I was getting to work, because the bridges were closed, roads were closed, you know, nothing was, the, the subways, nothing was running. So I was just like, let's tell security we're going to go get on the ferry, you know. And they were like, just don't, just make a beeline for the ferry, don't, don't BS outside. So we got over to Broadway, and that's where you could see like people jumping, and you know, as you look up, you could, you could see them kind of swaying. And I said, I was like, that building's not staying up. Sure enough, you know, we got maybe 30, 40 yards east, right by the New York Stock Exchange, and uh, people started running past us. We couldn't see the buildings because we were too close to the buildings next to us, but they started falling. We thought they were from where they the planes hit. We thought they were tipping, so we started running thinking that they were coming down on us, um, not realizing that they were coming straight down. And all my friends got on the, on the ferry to go to Hoboken, Jersey City area, and I was living down the Jersey Shore, so I got on the ferry going to Monmouth County. But it took till about 11.30, 12 o'clock before I got on the ferry because the line was long and the ferry was taking forever. So I just waited there with my tie wrapped around my face and 
you know, that big plume of smoke that you see on TV that just engulfed us all, burned my shirt. You know, I, I still have the shirt, you know, just, just waited. And then, you know, back then the cell phone was like the old Nokia brick phone. And I just remember going through my phone on the ferry, uh, trying to get through to anybody. You know, none of the phones were working. As soon as I got under the Verrazano Bridge on the ferry, which connects Staten Island to Brooklyn, the, the call went through, happened to be my wife. She thought I was dead because uh, she knew how close the World Trade Center was to to uh, the Amex. So, yeah. And then that was that. She picked me up at the ferry. And uh, she by January, she was down in Maryland, and I sold my condo. I was down there by end of February. Wow. Dude, that's intense. I mean, yeah. And good for you, too, you know. I mean, it does really put in perspective, you know, how important family is and uh, people are. I mean, she thought you were dead. I mean, that that's that's traumatic. Yeah, she, she watched the buildings fall with my mom on the phone with her. So the two of them thought, you know, that was the end. So it was, it was tough. It was, uh, it was definitely, you know, emotional roller coaster for them. Wow, intense. All right, buddy. So let's um, let's jump into some one sheet questions and get us in the left brain now that we're all right brained yep. out here. Wow. All right, so let's talk, first of all, about uh, what percentager you are. What percentager are you, Ryan Paquin? Like 10%. 10%. So what is your, what is your like, uh, horizontal income currently? About 60 grand a year. Five grand a month. And where does that come from? Mostly dividends. Really? Mm-hmm. From what? Uh, company stock. Tax-free dividends from company stock. Tax-free dividends from company stock. That's pretty heavy paying dividend. Oh, yeah. $5,000 a month? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I get good. it once a year. It's once a year. 60 grand a year, once a year. Damn, that's pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. And that, and it, is, it's a public stock or private no, stock? Private. Private, and they just pay the dividends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, cool. And that's yours for life, right? Like, uh, uh, Or do you lose the stock if you leave? I lose if I leave. Golden handcuffs. Golden handcuffs, fascinating. Well, you know, hey, it's not bad, right? Five grand a month. So what? So you don't have any real estate, nothing like that. I do. That's a couple hundred bucks a month in positive cash flow. I don't. Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing to be excited about. Okay, all right. And then what? What are your monthly uh, family bills? Like, what do you guys spend? Three kids, wife. You know, Naples ain't cheap. What? Yeah, what I got, got three kids in private school. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's about thirty a month. Thirty. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking 50, but that's good. All right. Yep, so that makes sense. So, yeah, it's about 15, 17%. All right, cool. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. So let's, uh, what uh, what do you like to invest in? What are you investing in now and what are you not investing in? Where do you, where do you put your money? You know. So we're, I'm going very cash heavy right now because we're probably going to buy some up a new primary residence. So in the last eight months, I haven't invested in anything. But you know, my I invested in in Remedy. I invested in a bourbon company. I invested in MJ, the apartment complex at down in Lubbock with uh, Joseph and Hatcher. 
I do the um, preservation easements for tax purposes, some other real estate holdings that invest in multifamilies, a, a tech company out of Annapolis that's, it's like an Airbnb for boat slips. Oh, shit. I like that idea. Yeah, it's called Snag a Slip. Snag a Slip. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all, everything's doing well. Uh, I invested, invested in uh, Oyster Bayou with Defala. Okay. Uh, Everything's doing well, but nothing's paid out. So. <laughs> well, that's how it is, right? It's all manic, you know what I mean? I mean, you, you know, you talk to all the people, and trust me, I'm, I'm in them all too, right? So, um, yeah. you know, you talk to everybody, it's all positive, it's never negative until it is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, and it's so hard to track. It's not like, you know, it's not like the, well, it's just not like anything else. It's not like, at least real estate, you could say, you know, yeah. I get this much rent and I get this much profit or this estimate is this much. And if I need to sell it, I can, you know, call an agent and liquidate it probably within a year, not nowadays, a lot sooner. Right. So, but who knows? All right, cool. All right. So let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about your health. What, uh, how much do you weigh? 167 pounds. Nice. Is that uh, your ideal weight? Ideal weight is probably 162. All right. What's your body fat? Mm, now it's probably about 16%. Okay. And, uh, you, you know, what is your, how, how about this for a lender? What's your credit score? <laughs> 820. Great. Dumb question. What about life happiness index? Great. Things are really, really, really good. Why what do you say life? that? I travel six, eight weeks a year. I got a great team. Work's fun. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I have I, I enjoy going to the office every day. I enjoy the time I spend with my family. You know, my kids are happy. My wife's happy. Things are good. I mean, I, I have nothing to complain about. Mm, good, good perspective. What? Uh, tell me about your team there, your your mortgage team. Yeah, so I I manage the office. I have uh, twenty seven employees total. A mixture of loan officers, processors, admin staff, and then I have a team for. Uh, assistants they're like licensed loan officers that we all team up and they're great yeah uh, I've had Heather my assistants been with me for about 10 years my team captain's been with me nine years James what's that I said sweet why do you have the retention we think a lot of people can't get anywhere near that retention you know it's probably a good question for them but from my perspective I'm pretty I'm just an easygoing manager I I I let people be independent. I don't micromanage. They know exactly what they have to do, and I let them go do it. And, you know, I'm not big on if somebody makes a mistake, uh, that's okay, as long as you learn from it. That's awesome, dude. All right, cool. All right, so what about giving back? How does Ryan give back? So that's, uh, I have a coach, and um, he told me I suck at giving. So (laughs) that's one of my big goals for the year. So I don't give enough. Just from a monetary perspective, I don't I don't donate enough. Uh, it's a very 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 small percentage of my income. But one of the things that I like doing is I I run charity a charity event once a year and raise money for my kids' school and a and a local charity, the Wellness House. So that's my big I chair that. So that's my big thing that I do. Oh, that's good. I mean, you're, it puts you in charge of it, and uh, you know. Good deal. Well, you have to get with uh, Tim Road on his uh, 
on this new gig every month. Well, you knew about it because you thought that you were on that this morning with uh, Daniel Ramsey. So right. you got to sign up for that. It's yeah. you're the chairman. Yeah. You'll probably raise some money. All right. What would you say your superpower is? You know, it's funny. I had an interview. Somebody interviewed me yesterday and, and my, um, I didn't, I didn't know how to answer that question because I ultimately think that my competitiveness is what, uh, is my superpower. But if you ask other people that question, they would say that that could be my Achilles heel, right? But it, um, I am just relentless. If I say I want to do something, I just, since I was a little kid, I just, I go after it. I don't plan. I just do. Huh. So tell me about the insecurity that led to that. Oh, definitely the way I was brought up by my mom. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, give me, de- give me details. What do you mean? Well, so, you know, my whole life, I was compared to what other people were doing by my mom. By your mom. So wait a minute. So your mom instilled in you. You were the younger brother Mm -hmm. or older brother? Younger. So does she compare you to your older brother? No. Some of that's natural. Yeah, go ahead. No, to be to other people, like, you know, a friend of mine. Like, so-and-so did that. Why don't you do that, right? Like, Don't you hate that, that, yeah. That kind of thing. And then, you know, just being the younger brother, that always drove me. Five years younger, I could never compete, but I always competed, right? So it just drove me to be better, whether it you know, was sports or, you know, just anything. I mean, it was everything. Who could eat faster? <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> it was everything. So, you know, that always stuck with me. That's why I'm super competitive to this day. I mean, it, you know, reports come out in the company and I'm like, all right, where am I? You know, <laughs> it's just, I, you know. I can't help that. You don't lose it. No. It's who I am. Yeah. So, like, how much of that do you think is nature and how much of that's nurture? I, I definitely think that it was instilled in me. I don't think I was born that way, right? I definitely think that the striving to either beat my brother or please my mom is what instilled that in me, right? Mm. I guess there's some of it's in your DNA, but because my mom's ultra competitive. Right. What about your brother? Uh, not as much. I mean, in certain things, yes, but he was he was the kind of kid that would lock himself in his room and read a book for eight hours. I was yeah. the kind of kid that would break out of my room if I was locked in it and go outside and find somebody to play football with, right? Like, mm-hmm. just completely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. What about your kryptonite? Well, it's something that I've definitely improved on, but my ability to say no was, I just... Yes. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, let's go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll invest in that. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do that. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I've certainly, through coaching, have learned to uh, pump the brakes a little bit and, and sit back and analyze. I'm big on analytics, so it's been something that I've been working on to look at. So that's a great question because, um, or a great conversation because I know uh, several other people that are working on that life skill and uh, it's probably a good time in our history to say no more than to say yes and uh, so that being said what what are some best practices that you're instilling that uh, are making you a better person at saying no I wait to answer I don't answer I just I have to take time and I used to be very impulsive where I would just on the spot say yes so i've learned to 
take a week, take a day, whatever the situation is, it's going to be different from one thing to another, but, and run the analytics on it. And that, you know, it can be anything. I mean, it's, <laughs> and my wife might be like, hey, why don't we take a trip here? Yeah, let's do it. Right? <laughs> and no, so I'll, I'll analyze it, like the pros and cons. And, um, you know, it's a lot easier to analyze an investment or, you know, like co-marketing with another realtor, like doing those kinds of analytics is easier to do than some of the other, you know, things that are asked of me or like, you know, what school to send your kid to, right? So it's, the analytics are not always as clear with certain things, but I've gotten really good at figuring out what that is. Fascinating. All right, cool. Good for you. All right, let's uh, talk about your greatest hits there. So if I had to go, how old are you, Ryan? 43. All right, so if I had to go back in the last 43 years, right? Mm-hmm. What are what are five uh, greatest hits, like poignant moments like that, that you would remember as, you know, the chapters in your life story? So, you know, I'll lump the three births of my children into there, into one, right? Hopefully we'll give that one, yeah. Yeah, certainly life-changing. I, I had kids at a very young age, well, compared to my friends, 24 years old, I uh, had my first kid. But um, I remember the day I met my wife, that would be number two. Met my wife in, in college and ran back to my room and told my roommate, I just met the girl I'm going to marry. Really? And I did. I was relentless. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, 9-11, good, bad, and different. It was a pivotal pivotal moment in my life, right? It, it changed everything. It changed who I saw myself from a young age. I always said I wanted to be a stockbroker, right? From the time I was four years old, I wanted to be a stockbroker. I didn't even know what it meant. And so I was. That's what I was doing. I was living my dream at 22 years old. And then within a blink of an eye it all changed right so a massive blessing out of something so horrible because you know i wouldn't change my life for anything right so that that was huge for me 9-11 and then you know i would say the day i got into the mortgage business i've had a hell of a run for the last 18 years doing what i'm doing i love it i love my career love the people i do it with and uh, our partners I mean, I enjoy the drive to work, right? Um, with the expectation of what is to come that day, right? It's great. I love it. So, making the decision, and I, you know, I remember sitting with the guy that did my mortgage in New Jersey. I knew nothing about mortgages. I just remember having that conversation with him. Be like, hey, you got a great house in Davidsonville. I want, I want that, right? <laughs> I don't know what mortgage banking is, but <laughs> I, I want to be where you are, and so I want to be a manager too, right? And, yeah. Uh, so that that was that was huge. So that's probably the top four. I, I you know, that's good. That's good. Let's talk about future. What do you got in the future? Like some forty-three. Let's say you live to a hundred and three, right? You got yeah. sixty years there. Give me give me four for the future in the next sixty years. Yeah. So I see I see me doing this until my son maybe graduates high school, another eight to 10, maybe, maybe 12 years, maybe through college. Cause I really enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to get to a point where I can leverage more people to, to do what I'm doing so I can spend more time with my wife, go to my kids, college sports games, whatever it is. Right. And, and be a hundred percenter. So that way I realized about four years ago that I absolutely love helping young people, 
figure out how to create wealth or get out of debt, right? Whatever that first step is to creating that. So I have some young people in my office that, you know, I introduced one of them to abundance. He, he was a uh, go crew guy out, out in Colorado a couple years ago. And, you know, he came and he was like, dude, that changed everything for me. You know, he's like that oh, opening my eyes to different perspectives. And so just sitting with him and sitting with other people like that and talking about building wealth and just the clients that come across every single day who have no concept of saving money, paying off debt, right? That credit cards are not good. You know, it's just, I enjoy that part of it. The coaching part of, of teaching people how to be better with their finances. So I want to get more into that. I would love to write a book. I don't, I have no idea what it would be about, but I think I, <laughs> I think I have a story to tell and people keep telling me that. So I'm going to take their advice at some point. Well, clearly maybe that nine 11, um, you know, is certainly the first chapter. Like I could see a book with you, you know, that being like chapter one, cause that draws you in, right? It's like right. sucks you in. And then as far as what comes after that, I don't know, but uh, right. maybe it hasn't happened yet. Right. Exactly. Or maybe it hasn't conceptualized yet, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely see that as being like, Something great, you know, yeah. or, or, or yeah. I, I love traveling. So I want to travel, you know, that's the, the best moments of my life as an adult have been traveling with my family, going into different- where do you want to go? We're doing Italy next year. We're going to do Scotland the year after that. So when my kids were little, I got a giant map, put it up on the wall. I labeled a whole bunch of famous places around the world. So my kids would understand where certain places were. And the, uh, the four of us, is before my son was born, made a list of our top 25 places we want to go. And then we made that. I took an average. <laughs> I weighted everything. And that's our top 25 family list. And so uh, for the girls' graduation gifts for high school, it's their number one. Whatever their number one was is, is where um, we're going. That's Scotland? Uh, Italy for my oldest and Scotland for my. We let my daughter change it because she was like six years old. Oh, she, right, said, right. she said Vegas to begin with, <laughs> ah, no, <laughs> and then no. she moved it to Hawaii, and now she's finally determined that we're going to Scotland. So yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. yeah. I just took my girls. I took my. Uh, I did a father daughter trip a couple months back to Zion in uh, Utah. Yeah, awesome. And uh, we did some hiking, and then uh, the flight was out of Vegas, so I took my. They're twenty three and twenty five, and. Um, so the three of us hung out in Vegas for a night. And I was like, okay, that's, that's all I want. You know, we had a good time, but, uh, but yeah. I was like, is this a good thing you want to do with your kids at any age? I don't know. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> um, not a great place. So we, uh, we just did Iceland uh, over the summer for about two yeah. days. And nice. it was epic. It was absolutely awesome. So we want to just continue to, you know, continue to do things like that. We usually go three places a year as a family. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. We're just we're my my youngest is getting re- ready to graduate um, graduate school, and um, we're going to go to Africa. Nice. We're going on a safari, so we're planning that now. As a matter of fact. So um, all right. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about your future goals in your business. Where where do you want to be ten years in the business? You said you only want to be there next eight to ten. What what about what, as an five years? What's your plan? Yeah. Yeah. So like as an originator, maybe eight to ten. But I still want to be here doing this because I love it. I love the people. I, you know, I love what I do. So just kind of overseeing it all, pass the team off to the people that are here, 
and just kind of oversee it all. So I, I could see. So, me. so do you think you could sell a team? Like when you do your network, do you have a value no. in your team? Because this was a big, uh, when we were in Japan, uh, David Lawver and Wally, mm-hmm. uh, who are both big mortgage brokers with a big book of business, you know them both. Yep. We're debating in front of the 15 other people on the bus uh, whether to include the value of their mortgage team in their net worth. What's your opinion on that? No. No way. You can't. So, look, if I want to step out of origination, will the machine continue to run itself? Yes, because there's great people running it. However, that relationship has to become theirs. It's a relationship business. It's not like I'm... Um, just cranking 10 grand a month into Zillow leads or something like that, where you can just continue to do that and, and continue to operate. That's not the business. And this, this business is going to change. The margins are going to get tighter. The technology is going to make it more difficult for independent mortgage bankers like ourselves to be as successful as we are today. So, you know, it's, it's something that could I step out and get a monthly kind of income off of it as I sail off into the sunset? Yes but I'd still have to be somewhat hands-on. And, and your thought is to give it, give it to your people. You're like, yep. you, you want to have the people own your business rather than be like, hey, you know, I'm going to sell it to another broker, like an exactly. insurance broker. Yeah, exactly right. Because at the end of the day, Pat, if, you, if you're a real estate agent and you um, are sending me every single client you have, right, and now all of a sudden my assistant is now the loan officer well, you don't have the relationship with him. You have it. You had it with me. So, what's gonna what's gonna prevent you from having some new up and coming young loan officer that's pounding your door every day with, you know, hey, I'd love to get lunch. I'd love to get lunch. Oh, sure, my guy's out of the business now. I'll I'll go meet with you, right? You're gonna move on. It's just natural. Yeah, you really are. There's no I mean, value. I, I I heard an exaggerated. I believe it's exaggerated, but I heard a statistic that said that the average consumer forgets their real estate agent's name after 17 days after settlement. Now, it's probably exaggerated, but I could see definitely within a year, I could yes. see them being like, what the, What was his name again? I see evidence of that all the time. We'll get calls because we market to our past clients, so we stay in touch with them. So when they want to buy a home again or sell their house, buy a home, they'll call us and be like, I don't remember who my realtor was, but you know, I have no loyalty to them. Who do you recommend? I'm like, Wow. Yeah. So Rocket Mortgage and, and all that stuff has been around for a while. And, and so why do you think if, if that hasn't affected the margins yet, why do you think uh, the margins are going to be affected in the future? Well, there was a great article that came out last week that said the average bank loses $4,830 per transaction, per originated loan. They lose it on the origination side because all they care about is the servicing side and the private client services side. They want to generate revenue from other avenues on that individual client. So they don't care if they lose money on the loan upfront. Hmm. Mortgage banks have no ancillary business, right? Independent mortgage yeah. banks. I, yeah. uh, we are strictly, you know, yes, we can service some loans. Typically, the servicing portfolio will offset some of our corporate expenses. So you think, the, you think the, the, the corporate, the, the, the company is actually going to constrict the commission amount? They'll have to. Otherwise, they won't survive. Didn't they, didn't, but they did that, right? I mean, what, what, didn't all that got crunched? The overage got cut out with Dodd-Frank and all that? With how they pay the loan officer, yes. But there's still that 
overage going to the to the company, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so you're, you might not be monetarily incentivized to charge extra to a client, like because you you know you're not getting that in your pocket as a loan officer, but you know it benefits the company to generate more revenue, right? So branch managers are pushing on their loan officers to hold price because a loan officer gets paid their commission no matter what they sell. So if they decide to compete with whoever and cut their rate a quarter of a point, well, they're probably losing one point, one percent on that. Well, if your gross margin on a deal is three and you're cutting one point, <laughs> you're out of business if you continue to do that. Yeah, right. And, yeah. Well, I'll just do more volume. Well, no, <laughs> you'll do more volume at a loss. You'll be out of business quicker. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. It's interesting. That's, uh, I, I mean, uh, like, what time frame do you think that you can start seeing the effects of that? Oh, I think you're seeing it already. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're, and you're, in fact, you're seeing some of the smaller banks sell their mortgage division or close their doors on their mortgage division because they're just not interested in it anymore. It's just not. Really? Enough. Yeah. Huh. Howard Bank just closed their origination side. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I used to, I used to own a shit ton of stock. It was like the, before they even opened, I gave them 125000 and uh, but I slowly sold it uh, 10 years ago, whenever it was, when they went public, when they put it, uh, when they made it public, when they made it a public company, I was like, I lost money on the deal. I think I got yeah. like 80 back or something. I don't know how they're doing now, but that's interesting how they just did that. So I, I do believe that those loan officers and realtors that are able to focus on the relationship will continue to have that loyal base of clients that the rate won't really matter, right? So if we're, you know, obviously you have to be competitive, which we are, but there's always gonna be somebody cheaper. Well, somebody that's used me three, four times that appreciates the value I provide is willing to pay an eighth or a quarter higher in rate. Right. right? right? It's just like using Redfin or some of these real estate companies that provide a rebate or a discounted commission. There's always been discounted commissions in real estate, right? Um, I remember where I grew up, it was called the Foxes or something like that. And they did like 1% listings or help you sell, right? Like, there's always been that. It's just, it's a value proposition. It's not. Yeah, it's hard, It's very hard to break. Um, it's very hard to break. I, I, You know, you see these companies coming in trying to break, trying to disrupt the real estate commissions, let's say, as an example, and it's it, it, for mortgage, you know, spreads and it's just very very difficult i mean they just can't seem to do it for years i mean my whole life right they just right. can't i don't know i mean it's just a strong thing not to say eventually won't be but uh it, it's it's strong you know yeah. it's interesting it's interesting all right let me uh let me wrap this up ryan with a spin of the uh, GoBundance app on our phone mm -hmm. hold on a second let me generate a new card all right here's one to put you on the spot if you were the leader of GoBundance, what would you change? That's a hard question for me to answer because I don't participate enough. Okay. I'm, I've never been to a winter function. I've been to one Austin event in the summer. And I love the value that's provided. It's just I'm at a time in my life where I can't make all these events with three kids running around in club sports. So um, I, I don't know. I used to think make it more exclusive, make it harder, um, mm -hmm. maybe make guys prove their net worth. 
Yeah. Not that that well, matters, but if you're going to set a a standard for what what it takes to to be a member of GoBundance, then then have people prove it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good, and that's uh, that has taken some uh, manifestation in the form of uh, champions, which is five million dollars mm-hmm. and up. They have to provide tax returns and go through a scrutiny. But you're right that the the general ones don't. Good. Well, that's great advice. All right, buddy. Well, listen, uh, I'll definitely be seeing you. I'll be in Maryland uh, in this over the summer, so uh, we'll have to get together and break some bread. Maybe Sounds I'll come good, down to Annapolis and uh, see your office. I love it. All right, boss. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Take care. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, bitch. Now you can